before we get started, I want to tell you about our new building that we are building, um, update you on what's going on there. Currently, the objectives on our list are to get electric in the building and to get gas in the building so we can have some heat and then um, to level out the parking lot because it's, it's uh, kind of muddy in that north parking lot, so we need to level that out and we need to paint the inside of the ceiling while we have it all masked from the insulation because the building is totally insulated, the shell and the roof. So uh, there's an update on how your new building is doing. It is uh, in the process and we are working hard on that. So um, let's start with prayer. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for the, uh, the opportunity to be here and to hear your word. Lord, we ask that you would guide us as we study it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so this year, uh, this year we are going to be serious, serious. And when I say serious, I'm not talking about the no fun kind of serious. All of us knows uh, one of those guys or ladies that are just, they're just no fun. They're so serious, they're no fun. That's not the kind of serious I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, the kind of serious as in uh, whatever we do, we do it for real. We seriously do it. Whether it's our worship or it's our learning or in the way we serve or in our everyday living. The Lord put this on my heart for this year that we do these things seriously, that we live life seriously. Now, by the way, the New Year's meeting that we had on the first day of the year, we always try to meet on the first day of the year as much of us as, as we can to discuss the direction of the year, the focus, the spiritual, um, spiritual focus of the year. And we met last week, last Sunday, and um, one of the things that, uh, that I passed out there was this sheet that Ben mentioned. And this sheet is is um, is what I want to do to show you that I am serious about my job. I am serious about you guys. I want to be the pastor that you need. And so in that, with that in mind, here's a sheet that I want you to fill out sometime during the sermon or, or next week. Um, give it to me or put it in the box back there. I want to know what you are concerned about facing this year. The last week's sermon was about um, what we're facing this year, how we can face it. So I want to know what you're concerned about that you are facing. And I also want to know what you're looking forward to facing this year and any prayer requests or feedback about uh, how our body, this church, is operating. Um, I would love to see that. This is, this is information that I'm going to use on maybe putting together a series of sermons. I want to be able to serve you guys with the best of my ability. Um, the, the Lord's word tells us that a, a shepherd, a true shepherd, is to lead and to take care of his flock. And, and uh, our Lord Jesus is our true shepherd. And um, as uh, believers, we are to take care of each other's brothers and sisters. So um, we need to be serious with each other and let each other know how we are doing. Now, serious. Brant was talking a little bit about, about New Year's and, and the, uh, the things that we uh, make, the resolutions that we make. And, and some of those get done and many of them do not. And I, I've done a few things in my life. I've accomplished a few things. Um, but everything that I have accomplished in my life, I had to be serious about. 
I had to take seriously. Now, I've also done a lot of things halfway. Plenty of projects laying around my yard. If you've ever been to my house that are not completed, I've done the things, a lot of things halfway. And, and those were all things that I wasn't serious about. That's why they only got halfway done. I wasn't serious about them. Most of us have a project like that. Whether it's the back porch that we never got to finish or the basement or the trim that we never put on the windows. Uh, maybe it's like the hot rod that's sitting in the barn without an engine. It's been there. It's been on your list for years, but you've never taken it seriously enough to spend the time to make it run. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to take every little project seriously. It doesn't really matter if the hot rod sits in the barn or not. But your faith, on the other hand, your faith must be taken seriously. If you don't take your faith seriously, it'll be stuck in a barn going nowhere. So this year, I'm going to preach on taking our faith very seriously. When it comes to worshiping God, when it comes to learning about His Word and His will, we are going to seriously do it. When it comes to serving the Lord and living every day for Him, we're going to take it seriously. Next few weeks, I'm going to focus on serious worship. There's a lot of things that we can worship. I don't need to uh, list them out. You can think in your life all the things that maybe you worship. Oh, we don't say that we worship that. But a lot of times uh, that's where our money goes and our time goes and where our mind always is. There's a lot of things that we can worship. But whatever a, por uh, whatever a person worships, they all can be boiled down to two categories. We either worship God, we can worship God, or we can worship something else. If you worship God, that is what He wants. Worshiping God is what God wants. Worshiping anything else is what the devil wants. The devil tried to get Jesus to worship him. Now, the devil uh, doesn't demand that we worship him. He's okay if we just worship anything other than God, anything to get our sights off of God. But one time, the devil came straight to Jesus and told Jesus, asked Jesus, tried to convince Jesus, because the devil's a liar, tried to convince him to worship him. Now, here's what Jesus told the devil, Luke chapter 4, verse 8. It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. No matter what we think of worship, it is to be only to God. To God and to only God. Now let me remind you of a story that shows how serious God is about His people worshiping Him. You know the story. It's about the Israelites when they are in Egypt. They're in Egypt, and, and they're doing well for the most part for many, many years in Egypt, but it got to where there was so many um, uh, the Israelites in Egypt that they outnumbered the Egyptians, and the Egyptians uh, were worried about that. 
pretty soon if a war breaks out, the Israelites will be able to overpower us. And so the Egyptians decided, let's oppress them. Let's make them slaves. And they started building the, uh, the empire, the, the city, the, the country upon the backs of the Israelites. And they oppressed the Israelites, the Egyptians did. And it was hard for the people of God to worship their God. It was hard for them. But as this story illustrates... God is serious about worship. So he chose Moses. He said, Moses, I'm going to rescue my people from oppression. I'm going to rescue them from Egypt so that they can worship me. Moses, you are going to be the one to tell Pharaoh. Now Moses tries to get out of it. Have you ever been in that situation? God tells you to do something, and usually it's by the, the uh, influence of the Holy Spirit on your mind. You have this thought out of nowhere to where uh, you feel like, man, I need to do that. And sometimes we think that that's our conscience, but the Holy Spirit tells us to do things. Well, God came to Moses and said, you're going to go tell Pharaoh that I'm not going to let my people be oppressed. And Moses says, no. Not me. I can't talk. I get tongue-tied. I'm not a good speaker. Not me, God, but God wouldn't let him out of it. God knew who he wanted. He chose Moses. Moses it would be. After that, the scripture says, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Here they are in front of Pharaoh, finally doing what God wants him to do. They tell Pharaoh, here's what the Lord says, my people need to go. They need to leave this place of Egypt. Let my people go so that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh replied, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Well, that was the wrong thing to say to God. God is serious about worship. And it doesn't matter who you are. When you tell God that you're not going to let his people worship him, things happen. And here's what happened in this situation. God tells Moses, here's the first step. You go to Pharaoh and you take that staff of yours. And you set it before Pharaoh and you turn loose of it and it's going to fall on the ground and turn into a snake. And, and uh, Pharaoh says, that's no, no big deal. I have magicians here and the magicians somehow made uh, more snakes. And, and uh, Moses' snake eats up the other two snakes. Kind of an interesting story. I love that part of it. Pharaoh was like, huh, that's nothing. And he didn't let him go. And then God told Moses, here's the next thing that's going to happen. And Moses spoke to Pharaoh, and, and pretty soon the river flowed, not with water, but in this case with blood. And Pharaoh doesn't seem to care. And then frogs. Frogs, when Pharaoh wouldn't let his people go, frogs everywhere. Now, what a weird thing. You say, why frogs? And, and if you're a, a young boy, you would say, that's no big deal. That's great to have frogs jumping everywhere. The scripture says that they were in their kneading bowls and in their ovens. There were just frogs, lots of frogs. Why would there be frogs? Well, every one of these plagues 
is a representation of one of the pagan gods that the Israelites worshipped. Kind of neat how that all works out. Neat for us who read it here, but if you was in Egypt at that point in time, not neat. Well, Pharaoh, he didn't listen. He says, no, I'm not going to let you go. And then the gnats come, come lots of little bitty gnats. And in this case, uh, the magicians that he has been, the Pharaoh has been able to call and reproduce the other um, the, the, the other miracles, uh, in this case, the magicians fail, and they say, we can't make the gnats. Uh, this is the finger of God, Pharaoh. This is the finger of God. You better give in. And Pharaoh says, no, I don't care. And then God says, okay, okay, Moses. Here's what's next. Go back to Pharaoh and tell him, Exodus chapter 8, verse 20. Let my people go so they can worship me. It's about the worship. So they can worship me. Let my people go. God is serious about his people worshiping him. And then he sends the flies. Like nobody likes flies. You could maybe like a frog. But nobody likes the flies. And then there was the river and its situation and all the frogs there. And it must have been a horrible mess. Verse 25 of chapter 8 in Exodus, Pharaoh says, all right, go ahead and offer sacrifices to your God. But do it here in this land. He gives in partially. He says, you can go ahead, but do it here. Now, at this point, Moses understands that God is serious. God is serious about worship. And he tells Pharaoh this time, no. This time, it's Moses that says no. No, verse 27, we must take a three-day trip into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, just as he commanded us just as he commanded us. Moses understands God is serious. And at this point, Pharaoh was like, yeah, maybe, no. He says, no, you cannot leave. And then three more miracles happen after that. The livestock, we call them miracles because doesn't make sense how they could happen, but they're not good miracles. The plagues, all the Egyptians' livestock, they die. And then the plague of the, the boils and the sores on all the Egyptians, and then the hail comes down from the sky and the lightning. And in Exodus chapter 9, verse 13, God says through Moses, let my people go so they can worship me. And it almost seems right here like Pharaoh is ready to break. He says, please, please, Moses, beg the Lord to end all of this. Moses did. And then the lightning and the hail stopped. And just as soon as the pressure let up, as soon as the hail stopped, Pharaoh went back to the way he was. This guy, 
this guy, I mean, I don't even know how Pharaoh got to be Pharaoh. He doesn't seem very smart. One thing after another, and his whole kingdom is taken over by these plagues, and yet still he will not let the people go to worship their Lord. After that, the locusts come. Pharaoh says, no, you can't go worship your God. And then the darkness, darkness happens, and Pharaoh says, no, you can't go worship. And then God says, through Moses, one more, one more, last chance. Let my people go so they can worship me. And Pharaoh refused to let the people go. And then God told his people, he said, listen closely. By the way, this is how important worship is to God. He says, I need you to take a lamb or a goat. And I need you to prepare it to be eaten and put its blood on the sides and the tops of your wooden door frames of your houses because it's time for Pharaoh to break. Folks, I need you to understand something. No one can keep God's people from worshiping him if they want to worship him. Pharaoh tried. Your school may try. Your government may try to keep you from worshiping God, but no one can keep his people from worshiping him. Exodus chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them, and now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. It's time to act. You know, if God has set his mind to do something, he will bring it to pass according to his faithfulness. When Moses questioned if he was capable of confronting Pharaoh and leading the Israelites out of Egypt, God told Moses that he would give him a sign. And through this whole story, we see two signs, two big signs. In verse 12 of Exodus 3, God answered to Moses when Moses didn't want to do it. He said, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. It's a sign from the Lord when we all worship together. A sign from the Lord. It's an important one, too. The Lord tells us, do not forsake the meeting together. God also gave another sign of his loving faithfulness during this whole ordeal. A sign of the firstborn. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 and 23 then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I command you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. This is a tough verse. 
tough verse to, to think about God telling this to someone, but we're talking about Pharaoh. We're talking about God's firstborn son. In this case, Israel. Now remember Revelation chapter 12 um, when John said that, that he saw a sign in heaven and it was a woman about to give birth to a son. And uh, during Christmas we talked about how this could relate to Jesus and also how it related to um, Israel. That Israel is, is uh, God's firstborn son. God calls Israel out of the oppression through the sign of the Passover, the firstborn son. God knew that freedom was going to come down through the death of a firstborn son. For the Israelites in Egypt, it took the death of the firstborn male lamb of their flocks to free them so that they could serve and worship Yahweh on the mountain. For Pharaoh, it took the death of his firstborn son and all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians because Pharaoh was unwilling to allow the Israelites to worship God. He knew he would lose their allegiance even if it was a false allegiance forced upon them by their identity as slaves of Pharaoh. Once they embraced their identity as children of God by worshiping him, Pharaoh would lose his control over them and they would no longer serve him or his purposes. And so Pharaoh and all the Egyptians lost their firstborn son. But the Israelites did not. The Passover was a sign for us to recognize God's redemptive plan as promised in the first chapters of Genesis and repeatedly to a promise to the patriarchs, God's one and only son, our Passover lamb was slain, and that's Jesus. His blood covered the wooden beams of a cross in order that God's judgment may pass over us, that we would be set free from slavery to sin. We need to embrace our new identity. We are forgiven, made right with God, holy. We are citizens of heaven, royal priests, God's chosen people. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says, And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb. Listen, when we put our faith in the blood of Jesus, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and our allegiance is switched from this world to Jesus, our names are written in his book. The kingdom of God is ours. We may worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Now let me remind you of a few takeaway points so far. God is serious about our worship to him. He's serious about it. God intends for us to worship together as a group, part of uh, the sacrifice or the offering of corporate worship is taking time to meet at this place and this time to worship him very specifically. We can worship God 
wherever we are and whenever we can. God wants us to worship, and whatever it is, we must take it seriously and set aside the time to do that. We must remember that God is a jealous God, and he will not share his worship with idols. Lots of idols that we could get hung up in. And most of the things that we do in our lives, most of the hobbies and the things that entertain our minds are not, are not bad or not evil in nature. But when they become, when they are placed between God and us, then that's when they become idols. And that's when our God does not wish that our God wants us to worship him and only him. He becomes jealous. It's your allegiance to serve God. Is it with him? Are there any idols that you need to identify and destroy in your life? What bondage is keeping you from worship? Worship. Let's do it seriously. One more verse today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. How good is this verse? The fact that we are receiving an unshakable kingdom. This kingdom here on this world, oh, it's shakable. It's shakable. And the king of this world is, is the devil. He tries as hard as he can to pull us down and to hold us here, but God's kingdom is unshakable. Let's be thankful and please God by worshiping him. The words here are holy fear and awe. Sometimes we don't understand the fear because the only thing that we can think of as fear is, is being scared. But fear in a way that's holy is respect, is knowing that God is almighty is all-powerful, and that almighty and all-powerful God loves us. And he sent his son to die on the cross to save us. And that's how we can be citizens of heaven, and that makes me bow before God in awe. Take seriously the worship that we offer him. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that we can come before you to worship you. Lord, help our hearts be right and give us the bold strength that we need to do your work, Lord. We're so grateful that we are forgiven and it's by grace through faith that we have been saved. Faith in your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that if, if you tell us to do something that we will obey recognize your voice we will follow you 